da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's a long-awaited and it's much-anticipated, at least on my end. It's uh, Ghostbusters talk here on the Mad About Movies podcast. Hello, welcome to the show. Uh, a warm welcome to you, Kent Garrison here, along with my co-hosts, Brian Gill and Richard Barden. Both, hey, guys. Both in uh, attendance tonight. Good. Yeah, we got back together. We took a sort of a week off like we gave you two episodes listeners but we didn't get together and record it was weird it was, it was good throwbacks. and that's yeah. those are two of many episodes that'll be coming out uh in the next coming weeks including a now you see me commentary which is oh. in the can and is ready to be published any day now so awesome. be on the lookout for that should we should we demand campaign. like tweet a tweet storm to release it? I don't think so. I think it'll just be a random <laughs> day. You'll you'll at least expect it, and one day it will be there. So uh, check the check the feed, and, and that'll be a fun little companion to your now you see me viewing your nightly now you see me viewing. Hopefully, <laughs> it was on. You all go to bed to it every night. You close your eyes she... to the sweet soothing sounds of J. Daniel Atlas and company. <laughs> I uh, I told you guys. I showed you guys. Sent you guys a video. I got home from. Uh, the office today and uh threw on the tv and was sitting on the guide and uh in three channels in a row i had the following now you see me gi joe retaliation <laughs> and after earth back wow all of my guide back to back to back two J- two john m chu classics <laughs> in the making two john m chu franchises and uh-huh. let's say after earth 2 would definitely be a john m chu property <laughs> yeah. i think yeah Will Smith returning to the character of Cypher Rage and a much anticipated, long awaited. Uh, Honestly, out of movie. those three, I'd probably rather watch Now You See Me. Yeah. I'll give it that. No, no it's question. It's the best of those three movies. Yeah, but. think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> well, so look, be on the lookout for those. And uh, those will be here soon. But in the meantime, not a lot of movie news to talk, not a lot of stuff to debate, uh, except for some announcements that uh, came out over the past week. And those announcements are the annual Emmy Awards, the primetime Emmy Awards, mind you. Prime. Um, and there were some surprises this year. And uh, we're going to talk TV pilots here in the next couple months. Yes. So be gearing your minds towards that. I know that seems a little premature now in July, but we're only about a month and a half away from that discussion. And we're going to be talking about all the brand new shows that uh, are coming out this fall. And so some of those shows, perhaps maybe we talked about last year or in years past, uh, we do that every year, but we do often like to talk TV on the show uh, whenever it is relevant. But uh, this is very relevant to us because a show we talk about a lot is featured a lot of some shows that we've recommended in the weekly recommend segment at the end of the show um, are all nominated. So uh, everybody kind of showed their stuff at this year's Emmys. And I guess I'll just go through um, these Category by category, and y'all just kind of chime in when something sticks out. So we can start with the big dog, which is best drama series, and uh, notably is Homeland, Mister Robot, Better Call Saul, Downton Abbey, House of Cards, Game of Thrones, and The Americans making a showing. Wow! Finally, for best drama series. What a day, guys! What a day! Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) So this is um, kind of expected as far as. Homeland, 
the uh, Downton Abbey's, the House of Cards's, the Game of Thrones's. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of maybe not surprising, but good to see Better Call Saul and Mr. Robot there as yes. well as the Americans. So I know you guys have thoughts on the Americans. Y'all introduced me to it. I think it's season two. And I've been on board ever since and have been really enjoying it. But um, good to see that for uh, for the FX show. Yeah, it's about time. I'm I'm still angry, but I, yeah. I'm less angry than I was <laughs> yeah. two weeks ago. So that's good. It's because Mad Men is gone now, and so they like that one slot. We were mm-hmm. all hoping last year. I think we even mentioned it on the show. Hey, maybe the Americans can slot right in there. Yeah, and be that but kind you, of absence yeah. of the of Mad Men. We were all hoping for that, but you do kind of feel like after the Emmys has ignored something that good for three years, yeah. it's probably not going to get it. Like. Parks and Recreation never got anywhere close to the due that it was deserved. And by the time it got to season seven, you're just like, yeah, that was pretty much expected. So I kind of thought that we just may never see the day that the Americans was going to get that kind of respect. And and we're there now, guys. We're there. Yeah, I think it has to do a little bit with some other series falling off. Sure. uh, Later seasons, Walking Dead. And a lot of John Cryer cameos, which as we know, the (laughs) Yeah, the Emmys love John Cryer. So if you can in a work wig, it, wow, yeah. his wig is just amazing in season yeah. four. It is. David Hyde Pierce was great, and Americans <laughs> just took it over the top. And yeah, the Emmys love Sean it. Sean Hayes too, right? Yeah, Sean. Was... They got the they got the triumvirate there with those. <laughs> yeah. I think the the clincher was when they had uh, Chuck Lorre write one of the episodes. <laughs> That's, it was uh, good. Oh goodness! It was although yeah. I have to say, kind of odd when uh, when Carrie Russell killed a guy, just strangled <laughs> him to death, and then the crowd laughed. I yeah. just was like, I, I don't know. It just it, it just kind of took canned. me out of the moment. But the essay minute. about the Cold War on the screen at the end was really good. <laughs> made you um, think, yeah. Made you really think. Yeah, it really made you think. And I, I for one, loved um, Jeff Daniels, uh, <laughs> just really bringing it um, as his character from the newsroom. In the eighties, and that so I think all of that combined finally got mm-hmm. finally got the Americans the the credit that it deserves and uh, whatever it takes, you know. But hopefully next season's better because everything we just described <laughs> would make for the worst season of television ever. <laughs> but Matthew Reese, y'all, Matthew Reese, Matthew Reese, he's the he's the truth, he's the future. So Homeland and House of Cards are both nominated. Do we? How do we still feel about those shows? In their later years, you think maybe House of Cards is, might be the last year it's up for best drama series, or maybe it's uh, I feel like it's falling off as far as uh, the quality of the programming. I agree, but uh, I can't uh, speak you, for the Emmys, obviously. There, yeah, it's just so it always takes them a year or two to catch on. Yeah, um, yeah. with Homeland, I don't know, it's like it fluctuates so many. I don't watch Homeland, but my girlfriend does, and uh. You know, every other year seems to be good. So I don't remember if last year was good or not, but it seems yeah. like they either make the best show on TV or uh, worse than The Bachelorette, and then sure. no in-between for them, which <laughs> seems really weird. Yeah. I watched the first season of Homeland, and it was tremendous, and it ended so well, because I think it was one that was originally supposed to end after one season, gotcha. and it ended so well that I just said, that's it. I'm not going back for season two. I think that that's where the show should have ended, and... I think I've been proven right. Most people I know that stuck with it for kind of how I feel about House of Cards in a way. After two seasons, first two seasons. Yeah, I was out on House of Cards after season two. Season one really enjoyed, but could see the flaws, kind of like the the cracks in the foundation. I guess season two, I was like, oh, I can't do this. It's just too far. So yeah, 
I have no clue how the was it season three that just finished. I have no uh, clue four, I think. Oh, we're already four. Okay, well, I'm two seasons behind now, and I I don't plan on catching back up. Really, because Dirk's really good in season four. <laughs> oh, so, well, see you guys might, later. Might bye. bring you back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, best comedy series on the other end of the coin uh, are Veep, Transparent, Silicon Blair. Valley, Modern Family, Master of None. The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt and Blackish, and uh, notably there, um, Amazon and Netflix has two showings there, mm. and I guess you could kind of say the same for HBO with Silicon Valley and Veep, since they have their on-demand service. I'm sure that's helped those shows stay on top. But uh, so ABC with Modern Family and Blackish, the only traditional television there, uh, nominated for Best Comedy Series. So two good shows too. Like yeah, uh, yeah. you know. They're, they're totally – and what they try to do is, is arguably harder, I would say. Sometimes. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, it's, a, it's like a different type of thing at this point. Yeah, they should have like a network awards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because all those shows – if you're decent on a network, you should go yep. – if you're The Good Wife yeah. or Modern Family or something like that and you're actually watchable on a network, you should get like – and they should just be like straight cash awards. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what like – Everybody gets a bonus. Like, yeah winning the playoffs or something. I'm shocked that the networks haven't come up with that yet because as much as we love award shows as a culture, you would think those four would get, and would maybe CW would be included and just be like, all right, let's throw our own show. We're not going to invite any of these HBO or Netflix people and we'll just give awards to each other. Like, surely that would sell to some degree because yeah, sure. there's 19,000 different country music awards. So I, I don't know why that wouldn't work out. I'm going to pitch that tomorrow. Thanks, Richard. There are country music awards Literally every month. Yeah. I, I don't think that's an exaggeration. Yeah. No, and they have, like, the same names. Yeah, yeah, the CMT Awards, the CMA Awards, the ACM Awards, the CMAs, the TCMs. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think those those are it. I don't know. The Red Solo Cup Awards. Mm-hmm. The flat, yeah. <laughs> the Pulitzer Prize for Bro Country. <laughs> the, the Dirt Flap Truck. Uh, <laughs> Bud Light Memorial. 911 award. That was Chevy. Yeah. Yeah, the golden truck nuts that they hand out are just great. <laughs> Classy yeah. and useful. Yeah. All right. So, it's funny Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt is nominated because NBC notably passed on the series. Mm-hmm. Like Tina Fey brought it to them and was like, "Hey, you want to do this?" Oops. And no, but that goes back to your point earlier and the fact that uh on a network you can't kind of take those risks that you can do you could throw a show on netflix you know netflix can invest in a lot of shows you can invest mm-hmm. in 25 shows and maybe five stick but those five are the ones that are nominated for emmys like right. master of none and unbreakable kimmy schmidt i love so, master of none so much i'm so glad i got nominated it is great year. it is great i'm actually really excited to rewatch it um and i know that one will hold up well on the on the second viewing but good for them good for netflix good for on demand stuff mm-hmm. um i'm glad to see the the tables are turning that way and maybe this will kind of force the hand of the cable companies to move towards more on-demand programming. So we moved to Best Actor in a Drama, uh, notably, Brian, Rami Malek from Mr. Robot and Bob Odenkirk. Nominated. Fantastic. Fantastic. As well as Kyle Chandler for Bloodline, another Netflix series, mm-hmm. and Kevin Spacey for House of Cards, another Netflix series, and then Lee Schreiber for Ray Donovan. Also gets a nomination. He did a wicked good job, pal. <laughs> and again, so bad. Showing up for the first time, I believe. 
in this category is Matthew Reese. Greatest actor. Um, yes. So it would make sense that he would be nominated. So we think Odenkirk or Rami Malek is the favorite here? For sure. I said last year when Ham won, great, totally deserved. Now Odenkirk gets the next five. That's my. That's how yeah. I feel because he's so Kevin Spacey, unbelievable. though. I feel yeah, like the Emmys Spacey. love Spacey. Yeah. That show sucks. Gosh. Odenkirk is so good on Better Call Saul. It's, yeah. He's in another league to me. Rami Malek's great, great too. And uh, Matt, as Richard said, Matthew Reese is probably the best actor alive right now. So, you know, kind of can't go wrong as long as we steer away from from the American treasure, Kevin Spacey, unfortunately. Best actress, Robin Wright, Tatiana Maslany, Taraji yes. Henson, Claire Danes, uh, Viola Davis, and Carrie Russell. For mm. the Americans, that's crazy that they're both nominated and it's best drama. Like, what what has happened? I, I really do think that Mad Men dropping off like opened up a slot. I'm not even kidding. In sure. most people's mind, I'm yeah. really happy about that. If that's indeed the case, well, or counter, maybe they actually are Russian spies and they finally <laughs> got to the Emmy voters. Yep. Like, there's just a elaborate plot. All of their family members have been abducted, and this is this is finally We'll happening. find out. Which I'm guess. okay with. Yeah. Like I support the Russian spies in this scenario. But Well you shall find out. But good for Carrie Russell. She she holds her great. weight. She holds her own in that show just as much as Matthew yes. Reese does. Absolutely. Especially She's in the later great. seasons. Um best And actor. I think you know what okay, as, as bad as that show's become, um Robin Wright's really I think is the best part of that show. Like she she mm. does a good job. And it's like a much less showy performance than um, francis uh kevin spacey so i'm i'm always cool with her that's like the only thing i'm cool with ever getting nominated from that show anymore and tatiana maslany is great i just mm-hmm. don't think orphan black has the reach or yeah. social impact that maybe a house of cards does or a homeland so uh that's probably why she won't win but deservedly so uh she got mm-hmm. the nomination yeah so we head on over to Best Actor in a Comedy, and those are Anthony Anderson, Aziz Ansari, William H. Macy, Thomas Middleditch, Jeffrey Tambor, and Will Forte for The Last Man on Earth. Okay, so Aziz, good job. William H. Macy, uh, great. Uh, Don't ever consider him a comedic actor per se he's done comedic dark comedy i guess yeah that shows a laugh it's a laugh riot i don't understand why that's been labeled a comedy for so long it doesn't make any sense but okay thomas middleditch from silicon valley has definitely blossomed into a budding actor and is definitely carrying that show in its later seasons and forte Mm -hmm. the commitment to the uh, half shaved head (laughs) bit is just that deserves a nomination in and of itself gosh this is a great like year for Emmy nominations, guys. It's a great like, year for comedy I feel like they've been listening to the show. And yeah. just... I was going to say, it's a great year for us being ahead of the game. <laughs> right. Yeah. These have been all of our favorite people for like seven years. And that's cool. <laughs> yeah. People should just listen to us. I think they should as well. That's, that would be nice. So I think in that category, Jeffrey Tambor is probably going to win. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. And uh, if I was to guess a second, maybe Anthony Anderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we shall see. But he mm-hmm. wins for um, he should win for uh, every sitcom he's done in the past that hasn't worked out. I was I was gonna say Hang Time. Oh, of course. That's when he really Hang brought. Time. Hanging Running together. together. How do you remember that? 
putting it on the line. Hang time. Always hang time. Remember. I remember that. Me and my wow. friends from hang time. Brian and I know every word of the theme song. <laughs> Reggie Theus, baby. I can tell. All right. All dick Buckus. Best, best actress. Ellie Kemper for uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Uh, Lily Tomlin. Amy Schumer. Tracy Ellis Ross. Lori Metcalf. And JLD. American Treasure. Julia mm-hmm. Louis-Dreyfus. So, JLD again, probably. Yeah. How many in a row at this point? My Feels God. like 40. Yeah. Now. What was the show she was on before Veep? The New Adventures of Old Christy. Yeah. She won like a ton for that, too. Yeah. She, she won did. every year for that as well. As long as she's doing something, she's the Meryl Streep of <laughs> yes. of uh, daytime or mm-hmm. primetime comedy. She's she's uh, There's no one that really touches her. But if I was to guess a second, maybe Amy Schumer. Maybe this is her year. Sure. I can see that. Let's see. JLD has won one, two, three, three, four, four Emmys in a row. So, oh, in a row. I was going to say in a row. like in all. I was like, there's more than that in all. Yeah, along with another one for for uh, Old Christine and another for Seinfeld. So there you go. Wow, that's crazy. That's that's quite the trophy. Case. And this is lead actress too. This isn't supporting mm-hmm. actress, yes. which you'd think supporting would be a lot easier to win if you mm-hmm. have the chops of JLD. Sure. So we move to supporting an actor in a drama, and they are Jonathan Banks for Better Call Saul, Peter yes. Dinklage, Game of Thrones, Kate Harrington, Game of Thrones, John Voight, Ray Donovan. Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> he thinks he's on Game of Thrones. <laughs> ben, ben, ben Mendelsohn and Michael Kelly of House of Cards. And so I think okay. Peter Dinklage, if I was to guess. Because uh, he's the reason I still watch Game of Thrones. So I can't remember who won this award last year. It wasn't Peter Dinklage. No, it wasn't because I remember, I remember thinking, that, yeah. "Gosh, I'm gonna have to look it up." I was like, "This, yeah, that guy deserves it." But Jonathan Banks blew that competition out of the water to me uh, with Better Call Saul, and then he didn't win. So I kind of feel like this year would almost be a makeup for that year and my internet is just killing me so i can't look up who won that uh that illustrious award dang it here we go finally good gracious i remember thinking the same thing and i know we talked about it the next day mm-hmm. because i i remember him sitting there clapping like sarcastically at the oh, end it, of it was it was dinklage last year and oh, it was it was was awesome in game of thrones last year like that was might have been his best season but Jonathan Banks was real. Who, who won it when Dinklage didn't win it? Who am I thinking of? That's a good question. Because he's been nominated, I think, every year since it came out, and he hasn't won every single year. Yeah, he hasn't won every one. He won in 05, and he won in 2011. So let's pull that sucker up. Game of Thrones has been out since 2005? No. 2011. 2011. Oh. He won another, <laughs> another series in 2005. I was like, what? That's not right. <laughs> I was in high school with well, Game of Thrones. Between the first and second season, there was a nine-year break. <laughs> they Very demanded, curb. Demanded yes. a ton of money back then. Yes. They knew how successful it was going to be. Yep. Oh, uh, what's his name? Aaron Paul won. There you go. Aaron Paul. Yeah. Deservedly so. You're right. Yeah, deservedly so. Okay. That makes more sense. Well, I think he'll win this year regardless. And uh, I'm sure it'll be a uh, 
a great ceremony for Peter Dinklage and Game of Thrones and company. Speaking of them, uh, two supporting actresses are nominated, actually three. Amelia Clark, Lena Headey, and Maisie Williams, all nominated wow. for Best Supporting Actress. And um, Mo- Maura Tierney from The Affair, Maggie Smith, of course, obligatory, <laughs> nominated for Downton Abbey, and then a show called Unreal, which I've never seen, Constance Zimmer. Nominated. Yeah, I like Constance Zimmer. So but That show's big yeah. randomly now. I don't know. I don't really mm-hmm. know. Yeah. It's like, what is it, like fake Bachelor? Or yeah, it's like, a, like the, yeah. the producer side of that or something. Yes. I, it's like okay. a, a scripted version of if someone produced The Bachelor or, something, or a show like that. Gotcha. Best Supporting Actor. Actually, who do we think is going to win that? Probably a, Maggie Smith? I don't know. I, I always Maybe. love when Maggie oh. Smith wins because she never shows Which up. Which season of I Game of Thrones would this be? Probably season five, the one that is nominated? Yes. Hmm. So it's probably Lena Headey, yeah. I would guess. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I would say Maisie if it was the newer stuff, maybe. Yeah, maybe so. But we'll see. All right. So Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy, and we're only going to go over these last two uh, sure. categories, and then we'll move on to Ghostbusters talk. You mean sound is, design, but yeah. Yeah, sound design. <laughs> and Best Sound Editing, which our fans loved, by the way. Loved our sound editing convo. Got a lot of Every great one-star reviews yeah. for that. We will have it again this year. Happy. Yeah. It's, it's a tradition unlike any of We have it because people are always confused as the difference. We always yeah. have to break Me, it up. People we, we mean, Brian. Holding my hand up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so actor in a comedy. Uh, here we go. Louis Anderson for Baskets. I didn't know mm. he was in Baskets. I thought yeah, that was neither. He's really good on Baskets. Baskets good. is cool, by the way. I, can't, I think you would like I've it. I've heard about it, and I have had that idea for a while a, a movie about a clown or a show about a clown, like somebody who's like a real clown, you know, yeah. that's what it's like to be an actual clown. I think that's a, an interesting premise. I'm not sure if that's actually what it's about, but that's what I gathered from the trailers. I haven't actually seen baskets yet. Richard baskets is cool. You'll like baskets. Cool. I'm excited. So he's a, he's nominated. Andre Brower is nominated for Brooklyn nine, nine. That's he's, the only one that American I was Treasure. talking about in the series it, uh, is that Brooklyn Nine-Nine was excluded because that show is yeah. fantastic. So funny. Yeah, it's great. He's the best part. And it wasn't included in uh, – Last Man on Earth wasn't nominated for Best Comedy Series either. Yeah, and true. I think that was strong to quite strong mm-hmm. last year as well. Maybe not a top five, but definitely top ten. So mm-hmm. I'd like to see that list. So Modern Family uh, and Ty Burrell is also nominated, obligatory. Right. Um, Titus Burgess from Kitty Schmidt, Kimmy Schmidt, uh, Tony Hale from Veep. And it's funny that he is always getting all these praise for Veep when his probably more outlandish role is uh, is Buster. Right. But uh, or more flashy role is Buster. But he is great on Veep as well. And uh, Matt Walsh also nominated from Veep. Yeah. But, and that's, uh, good. that's good to see. I think he gets underrated a little. A lot right, absolutely a bit because of how great JLD and and Tony Hale and the rest. That show is stacked. That shows is oh, really yeah. stacked. Yeah, I didn't and, know you were a Veep watcher, Brian. I'm at least a season behind. Okay, maybe two. I I don't know. I've watched the first season probably six times, and then I get distracted by other things like you know forty thousand episodes of Larry Sanders show and things like that. But it's, how dare you! <laughs> right um but i'll i will i may catch up this summer to be able to to be ready for the next full season and the last nominee here is uh 
Keegan-Michael Key for Key and Peel. I wonder how Peel feels about that one. That is weird. To nominate one and not the other. Yeah. It's a little is racist, it? I think, if you ask me. No, <laughs> All right. Um, best Supporting Actress in a Comedy. And, and uh, this is the last one before we uh, wrap this up. Is um, Anna Chomsky, Chomsky from Veep is nominated. My girl. Oh, absolutely. Richard's girl. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Allison Janney from Mom, American Treasure. Uh, Allison Janney. I don't even care if that show is good. I'm just glad she's getting good work. How about that? I just yeah. like to see her name on these lists. Absolutely. Gabby Hoffman from Transparent. Judith Light from Transparent. Nancy Nash from Getting On. And Kate McKinnon from Saturday Night Live. Which leads us to Ghostbusters chat. No, actually, no, no, no. We actually have one more category that I do want to talk about, and that is best miniseries or limited series, I guess. And uh, the nominees are, the nominations are People vs. OJ, Fargo, Mm. Roots, The Night Manager, and American Crime. So I'm it's guessing American this is Crime, a, the ABC. It's the ABC show, show right? Tiffany Hut. Okay, thank you. Because there's American Crime Story is the thank writer. You. Okay, appreciate it. Yes, American Crime Story is the actual title of the OJ gotcha. miniseries. Okay. American Crime Story semicolon the People versus OJ was the is the actual title. But yeah. nevertheless, nominated for best limited series. I got it. You got to think the OJ series wins. Uh, but yeah, I would go Fargo, yeah. maybe. Fargo was uh, outstanding in uh, season two. So that's that's where my vote would go if sure. I was to. I haven't it. seen the OJ series yet, but Fargo season two was better than season one. And I thought season one was one of the best things I've ever seen. So, right. you know. <laughs> I didn't know if you had ever seen it, Brian. Were you the oh, holdout? Or was that two? or was Richard's that Richard? Oh, see. okay. Yeah. Thank season you, Richard. two of Fargo was unbelievable. I was so impressed with what they were able to do with that. They get sneaky good actors in those oh types gosh, of yes. miniseries, and especially Fargo knows how to cast them, but mm-hmm. never would have thought. But good luck to all the nominees, and we'll probably talk about the winners when they're announced. But without further ado, guys, let's talk about Ghostbusters. We are joined by a guest this evening for Ghostbusters. We were joined by a guest previously as we talked Ghostbusters 1984 a couple of months or maybe a year or so ago with our friend Jason Davidson. And uh, thank you to the people who this past week revisited that episode in preparation for this weekend. But this is a movie we have discussed uh, in the past few months uh, because of some headlines and because of the publicity because of some trailers so this uh, I guess could be considered a hot debate Uh, maybe some hot movie opinions can be thrown around here as we have four people here to give their thoughts and uh, I'm going to welcome to the show again uh, back is Eric Bishop Eric welcome back thank you so much It's, uh, it's beyond a thrill and a pleasure good well we're happy to have you and we're happy to have you talking Ghostbusters, especially 
Uh, what are your thoughts on Ghostbusters the franchise uh, in general? Oh, well, I was to date myself. I was born in 1980, and uh, Ghostbusters oh. came out, I think, you said 84. <laughs> so, oh, there you go. Yeah. I, I, you know, Ghostbusters, I can remember growing up, was one of the first movies I remember just loving, and I, I loved Ghostbusters. It's one of my, easily one of my favorite movies of all time. It, it's still funny to this day, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hold a lot for it. Ghostbusters 2 was good, not as good, obviously, um, as Ghostbusters 1, but uh, it, was, it, it had its moments, and it was good, and it was solid, and it was uh, for a sequel to a big-name movie, which, you know, would have would have been hard to match, because Ghostbusters, in my opinion, was just a, a movie that's, uh, I, I could you say iconic, I guess, because, sure. I mean, there's yeah. just, I mean, you see, like, I... I, I when I think iconic, I think of when you like when you're looking at a you know, like a movie channel and they're advertising for stars movies and they show real quick clips of like uh, you know uh, Platoon, uh, all these movies, Wall Street, all these iconic huge movies, and they'll show Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. While a comedy, I mean, is still I mean just it's got such weight in the movie industry, I think, and. Uh, yeah, and it's just, I've always loved it. I, I've loved it to death. I mean, uh, thanks to the internet now, I can have t-shirts and stuff where I didn't have back then, and I can wear around really funny Ghostbusters t-shirts. But uh, sure. yeah, I still love it to this day to death. It's one of easily one of my top five favorite movies of all time. Wow. Yeah, it has, uh, it's held up fairly well, and that was kind of the conclusion we came, to, came down to um, in our throwback episode, mm-hmm. was how well, especially the jokes held up. Uh, over the past 30 years. And we talked about it on the 30th anniversary last year, I believe. So it was good for that. Um, I think we're all f- fans of the franchise and everything. And mm-hmm. I think we all have fond admiration for Ghostbusters, what it represents and uh, what it can be. We've all seen what it can be. And so we know what it can be. And uh, I guess there's an old saying, I think it's maybe it's Trump who says, if you've, I've seen you do it once, you can do it again or something. Or is it Tom Landry? I don't know, something like that. <laughs> But I think I think this has hope as being something eventually. Um, and I'm so conflicted with this movie because um, I want Ghostbusters to be great and I want it to be the best franchise ever, maybe. I would not be upset if the best movies I was seeing every year were Ghostbusters movies. I'd be t- perfectly fine with that. I, I like the universe. I enjoy the uh, the history uh, the characters, I, I like the um, I like the effects and everything. I I, I think the uh, the style of humor fits my style of humor as well. So this is something that I can get on board with. Um, and also having these four ladies do this is also something that I can get on board with. Uh, having mm-hmm. this director do this is something that I can totally get on board with. Uh, but this movie wasn't something that I can get on board with. And that's what I'm so conflicted about because I wanted sure. it so badly to be that with these people. I wanted so proudly and triumphantly to be exiting the theater with my fist held high. Like, man, those ladies were awesome. And that script was hilarious and I never should have doubted it. And Oh my gosh, the ghostbusters are back. But I really, really, really disliked th- this movie in a lot of ways. <laughs> Yeah. And especially this script. I mean, I was appalled. I was yes. absolutely appalled by this script. And um, I can't really blame anyone but but the director for that. Um, and you know what? I'm excited to talk about this. 
because there's a lot to talk about. But I have no idea what you guys think. We haven't talked about this at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, general thoughts, Brian, and keep them keep them keep them genuine. Yeah, <laughs> you're excited to talk about it. I'm kind of not. Like I don't. Man, we get comments every once in a while from people that will kind of give us crap about trashing a movie, and I'm fine with it. It's just the way it goes. We typically, I'll just speak for myself, I do not like trashing a movie unless it's Now You See Me. Like, I really enjoyed that. We all did because it's kind of like a hallmark of our show and because it's such a ridiculous sequel. The show's called Mad About Movies. I just want to keep pointing (laughs) that out to people if they haven't figured that out. Man, I love love movies. I love blockbuster movies. I'm not opposed in just in principle to remakes, reboots, whatever – I love the first Ghostbusters movie. I think the second Ghostbusters movie is fun, if not good. I don't think that the second... The second one has gotten this weird reputation of being, like, a really bad movie, and I think that's absurd. I don't think it's good, not anywhere near as good as the first one, but it's... Anyway, it's still... It's fine to me. Um, I So I'm not... I feel like I'm on record of saying, like, I'm not opposed to what this movie is trying to do. I think this is a a franchise or or a property that can be rebooted or remade possibly and i think i liked the idea of doing this with women ghostbusters i thought that was a cool idea a cool concept and i love kristen wig and i like melissa mccarthy when she's reeled in i guess is maybe the right way to put it i don't know I love Kate McKinnon on Saturday Night Live, and I really dislike Leslie Jones as a comedic performer, just period. Um, so, but I can, okay, like, I guess what I'm trying to say, the vague, the vague concept of this movie, I'm great, I'm totally good with. Um, the, the backlash and hate that has been spewed against this movie and these women in particular is appalling, and I... It makes me. Uh, it made me. Kind, it made me want this movie to be like the best movie of the year, you know, and to be able exactly. to exactly, exactly. Look at this, you you idiots! This is just. This is so good, right in their face, you know that kind of thing. Um, and instead, I just, I just was bummed. <laughs> like I was just kind of <laughs> bummed out, knowing that uh, that this movie is what it is, um, and that we weren't going to be able to come on and, and talk positively about, or at least I wasn't going to be able to come on and have a, you know, a glowing review and that for as insane as the rabid, uh, misogynistic fan base of Ghostbusters has been. And I know that that is a, a very minor vocal fraction of the Ghostbusters fan base. Uh, they've kind of been, I don't want to say they've been proven right because you know it's no, they, it's seventy three percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's no not the right deserves. right. Yeah, totally. That's not what I'm. That's not the right way to say it. But I feel like they're going to draw satisfaction out of this movie yeah. not being great, and that really bums me out and depresses me. I look. I the yesterday all the stuff that was <laughs> that was happening with Leslie Jones on Twitter was the most disgusting thing that I think I've ever seen on social media, really. It was. It is. I just can't. Twitter themselves had to come out and make a statement about it. It's just, it's unbelievable. And 
it's awful and appalling and un and inhuman, you know. And I, I just can't stand that type of thing. And also, it very, very, very selfishly and in a very minor way, it it makes it difficult for for us and for me in particular because I have been very critical of Leslie Jones as a comedic performer, and now I'm left personally with either like even sort of seeming like I'm in the same camp as these horrible humans who it's kind um, of like I am someone who believes that, um, you know, police have shown, uh, aggression towards minorities in an unfair way. Mm-hmm. But if you come out and shoot police, then that we kind of lose that argument. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so that's kind of how I feel today. Like I, I feel awful for Leslie Jones on a personal level for what she's had to go through. But you also, that also can't, well yeah i mean yeah it can't i can't let that um i guess rose color what i want to say or 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 dumb down the fact that she's really not good in this movie i don't understand i i i personally do not care for her personal brand of of humor i also think she was done zero favors by this script and by uh paul feig personally the she was put in an awful position throughout the entirety of this movie and set up with the worst dialogue that you could possibly be set up with. And so I don't think she's getting a fair shake. There's plenty of reasons why this movie is bad. And Leslie Jones, or is at least is not as not what it could be. And Leslie Jones is far, far, far down the list is I guess what I feel like I need to get out out front because I, like I said, I've, I've, kind of re- led the charge as far on this show of I just can't stand what she's doing um, but that I don't want that to at all seem like it's a personal attack especially given yeah, she's probably what a she's lovely been going human through. being yeah, yes. Like, yes I hope she's a great person and right. I hope she finds a comedic voice that we think is funny one day like I, yes. <laughs> I mean sounds so and, crappy and even say. if she doesn't fine i don't care like it's it comedy more than anything else in entertainment is subjective and just list. because i don't find it humorous doesn't mean that other people don't find it humorous and that is fine this is one third my podcast so i have to you know we've always been very clear about when we come on here and we do a show we are going to give our honest true opinions and whether that is popular or not that's what we're going to do and that's you know that's what i have to do but I just felt like we needed to say that out front of like it really sucks that this is not better. The backlash has been horrible. It, yes, it's been yes. terrible. Yes. From, and if this yeah. would have been uh, you know an A plus movie or yeah. an A movie or maybe even like a B or B plus movie, then maybe it shuts up five percent of the one percent. You know what I mean? Just like just some people have to eat crow or at least shut up for a day. And I really wish it would have been that. It's not for me if, you know, if our listeners, if you think it was great, great. That's fine. Again, comedy, awesome. Um, for me, I'm with you, Kent. It's not, it's not good. It left me way more frustrated than I thought I was going to be. Um, and I think that this script is one of the worst comedic scripts that we have ever covered on this show. I, I just yeah. cannot believe for a big movie like this, for a movie with the skins on the wall that the cast and the crew and the people behind the scenes have to get this script and to take it to market essentially is I kind of, I'm, I'm amazed that this got past uh, the first pitch, you know, yeah. or the first table read it's it. This is an awful script. And I, 
And I think it completely screws the movie over from pretty much from the first minute. And that's, you know, that's what you want. That's really what you want, especially (laughs) when this movie just kind of it. It's not fair for a comedy like this to feel like it has state. It has stakes to it, you know, to like feel like it's important that it be good. And it did like this last weekend. I've been stressed out about seeing this movie because it felt like. Um, this really needs to be good to have like like a decent cultural discussion, and I'm super disappointed that it's not. Sorry, that's a long rambling uh, diatribe, and I apologize. But I just this last weekend has been I've been kind of dreading getting on the show, I guess, to yeah. talk about it. Well, we have all the time in the world, luckily, to get it all out. So I'm looking forward to that. But we have, therapy session. We have some tonight. more general thoughts to get to. We'll hit up Richard now, Richard. Yeah, so Ghostbusters was something I uh, I came to kind of later than I think a lot of others. I, I mean, I knew the songs and I had some toys, but I don't think I saw the movie till I was like um, ten, probably to like mid nineties. So it's not as like a part of my early childhood as it is a lot of people. Um, but I still love it and love the cast um, and love the writing of it. And I love like big franchises that are really weird ideas. Like I would love if the Ninja Turtles were good, and I would I just like just goofy ideas like. Ghostbusters, um, mm-hmm. so I've always just kind of enjoyed it uh, on, on that level, and I think it's just it's such a it's such a classic and like definitively American movie um, in a lot of ways, and and uh, and I and I love that. Uh, the sequel I think is is fun. It's it's on cable randomly a lot, and it's 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 a perfectly fine sequel to a, a very good film, and it's a, but it's you know I didn't want to come back to this at all. Um, the female, all female cast kind of piqued my interest. Like if it was just going to be the old fuddy duddies doing Ghostbusters again, I was, I was kind of out even as much as I like some of those old fuddy duddies. Um, but the, the only thing kind of piquing my interest was, Hey, let's see if we can do a big loud action comedy with an all female lead cast. Hey, I'm in on that. Let's, let's see what that looks like. I like, I like these new ideas. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think, I think the actresses were really game. Uh, for the most part, and had a lot to offer, and I just think the script really lets them down. It's just really like laughably obvious on the humor. It's the lowest common denominator humor, and uh, and then such a rehash of you know, like the Star Wars movie last year, but without the artfulness yeah. of homage. Just kind of like, hey, remember in this cool. Um, it was like they know. did in Dumb and Dumber 2 to Dumb and Dumber 1, like yes. homaging it that way where it's just like, ugh. Yeah. It almost yeah. makes you yeah. hate the first one more, like yes. in a weird, bad way. I don't know. Absolutely. And uh, so, yeah, this was not, uh, you know, I, I we did some thoughts on the trailers and stuff and didn't think it looked good. But, you know, when I saw the Rotten Tomatoes score, I kind of got excited you know, of course, I think there is some. I think it's a hard movie to really fully go after because no one wants to go after the first like action comedy blockbuster with an all female cast. That's just not fun to do mm-hmm. because you want to be on the right side of history really badly, and it's something we all agree needs to happen. And so when it's not that good, it's like, uh, I'll just if you read the Rotten Tomato scores uh, reviews, and Brian and I've talked about them a little, and Ken has too. Like, they're hilarious. They're like, I mean. The script is 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 it's weak, and the um, the direction is is kind of uh, it kind of you know uh, rambles abound. But these ladies are funny. Please don't think I'm a sexist. Right. Like, yeah. Yes. It's just yes. that. 
and uh i don't know that's just so boring to me like mm. it's just the that's not film criticism but that's a different tangent for another day it's just it sucks that this is it's not it, it's not even gonna be my top 10 or bottom 10 movies of the year i don't think it's not mm-hmm. it's not in a in a vacuum oppressively aggressively bad it just sucks that it's ghostbusters and it's it's very mediocre um and boring almost all the way through mm-hmm. uh, but and the script has some real eye rollers but the whole movie isn't an eye roller like it's not i don't want to just come out and say it's the worst movie of the year it's not even close um but it sucks that ghostbusters isn't one of the 10 best movies of the year every time it's not absolutely eric um i agree with brian quite a bit um as such a huge fan of ghostbusters i really either wanted a third one or if they were going to redo it, kind of redo it the way they're talking about redoing Spider-Man by not, you know, going through the whole origin story, but kind of, you know, just starting over. And it kind of seemed like they were doing that at first in this movie, but it just it just kept getting worse and worse. It just I I, I honestly I, I said it one time during the movie because it was just me and my wife in the movie and there was nobody else. Um <laughs> That's how bad it was. This is Thursday night, opening night, and it was me and her, and that was it out here in Orange County, California. That was it. I I sat there, and the movie started. I looked around, and I said, we are literally the only people in this movie theater. This is the Irvine Spectrum, a 30-movie screen giant theater off of 405 in Orange County, and there is two people in this for the premiere of Ghostbusters. I went on a, a, uh, I think, a Sunday night at 7 p.m., and there was three people there and me. Yeah. So that was Yeah, it's not it's not done well at the box office, which I think a lot of that people are gonna blame it on, you know, this like sexism of the audience probably. And there's there's something to that probably, but the marketing was really bad. It was, yeah. And yeah, the just, breakdown on audiences didn't didn't help it because it was not I can't I could not I looked earlier before we started, I couldn't find the tweet, but it was a much lower percentage of women than you would expect. So it was, I think Paul, I think this. Paul Feig's last movies, mm-hmm. bridesmaids yeah. and, uh, another one had like 70%, 70% women. This had like skewed, it maybe 50, barely over 50. Yeah. yeah. It was like 53% or something. So that's not a great indicator for what it was trying to do. Not at all, but continue Eric. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, and honestly, I literally said out loud, which got me on that tangent, um, when go- when Bill Murray got on screen, if we're not doing spoil, if that's not a spoiler, everybody knew he was going to be in it. I literally said to my wife, I'm pissed. He turned out Ghostbusters 3 because he didn't like the, the script, but he went with this. That's true. This is He turned down 3 for this. And the nostalgic part of me thought, oh, they could have made three if this was, you know, but but then there's also, you know, it's been so much time. Like I just saw him in uh, Vice Principals the the other night and he is he's aged and you couldn't do it. But I really thought the idea and I cannot remember and I'm sorry, I'm going to fail on this. I cannot remember the director who wrote a story or he wrote and he posted it to his website that he wrote a script for Sony. Yeah, Max Landis. Max, Max Landis, Landis. Thank yeah, you. our buddy. Yeah, and he wrote the, the kind of the premise of how his Ghostbusters would have won. Mm-hmm. And I sat there saying, "That's perfect. That's right. exactly how I, as an old Ghostbusters fan, wanted to see that movie be done or redone." 
I mean, it was perfect. He ties, he does a reboot, but he ties it together. And I think that's how anybody wants a reboot like Star Wars, Ghostbusters, Indiana right. Jones, any of these right. iconic movies to be done. And you read that. I mean, and and he covers how Egon would have been done. His daughter would have taken over. And he's just like, she's just like Egon, but with an attitude. I mean, it's perfect. I was mm-hmm. sitting, I was saying, how does Feig and how does Sony not say this is absolutely perfect? And they and I'm saying to my wife as I'm reading this, they went with that over this. Yeah. And I and I shouldn't have been as a paying customer. I really shouldn't have been mad, but now I think I should be. Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because this was an insult to me. I, I'm sitting there and, you know, and I'm not a big, you know, oh, that's racist or anything and all that stuff. But if I'm Leslie Jones, I honestly have to ask her, I can't believe you took that and read yes. that. And you said, yeah, this is fine. That was, and I'm not the big, like I said, that was the stereotypical black woman role in a movie. Like if you were making a parody movie, like those stupid things mm. that they do. And you said, hey, we got the angry black woman over here. That's exactly what it was. I yeah. mean, honestly, I'm I'm I, I shan't say ashamed or whatever because I can't be, but I honestly asked Lily Jones, you're okay with how that how that worked out? You're okay with how that is showing? She right was now? yeah, she was okay with how she was portrayed in the movie, which is kind of part of the backlash. Is is that kind of I don't know. I just can't believe that. I, I sat there going, and she's yelling. And even there's a part in the movie where they wait, all go, "Ah, oh, you're little." She wait, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Shocking. She don't even part, there's a part where she yells in the movie, and the other three women go, "Oh, you're a little loud." They even make fun of her for being loud. Yeah. I heard. I heard that the Leslie Jones part was written for McCarthy, but Paul Feig thought that she had done too many roles where she's just falling down and screaming that <laughs> that he really said he wanted this to be Leslie Jones's uh, bridesmaids like bridesmaids was for McCarthy. So he was expecting an Academy Award nomination from Leslie Jones yeah. from this role. It's basically what he was saying. And uh, that's a backfire if I've ever seen. Yeah, one. I yeah. cannot. I'm with Brian. I can't believe that I, I, I walked to the car after seeing all the extras and all that stuff, I can't believe I sat through that too. I did not. Um, <clears throat> but excuse me. And I, I'm walking to the car and I've said, I stood there and I pointed, I can't, I was making a stupid thing out of this. I said to my wife, I said, that made it past everybody that yeah. made it past. Well, I guess I, I don't understand the movie industry a whole bunch, but a quality control. I don't know if there's a quality control, but, but like, screeners and test people and all these people not one person mm. stood up and said a this is pathetic b how do you cast a black woman like leslie jones you know like that and i and i i to be honest when she was cast i really didn't know much about her because i don't watch saturday night live that often how i found i really got to know her is when saturday night live did the uh uh, the Larry David uh, um, feel the burn kind of thing when he yeah. and she was she coughed in her hand that was hilarious yeah and I thought mm. that was great and she wasn't screaming she wasn't well she was screaming but she didn't play a part she was like you know she was good <clears throat> excuse me and I couldn't believe I honestly I, when I went into the movie and I remember people I remember reading somebody had written a review already that said she played the quote unquote stereotypical black woman I said okay all right whatever let me get see the but and I came in and I said. They're right. She did. I can't argue with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, she can only blame herself. And 
I think the jury was still out on her and McKinnon going into this because we had never seen oh. either of them in movies. I think mm -hmm. their brands of humor are maybe better suited to two minutes at a time, and that's it. Uh, and Kate McKinnon. True. Not to interrupt, but Kate McKinnon, I, I keep reading. She's the breakout star of this movie. I literally couldn't stand her in this movie. I couldn't. I could uh, not, uh, yeah. Like, uh, people disagree with me because I've been reading all this stuff. She's been fantastic. She's been fantastic. I did not find her funny maybe but one time. Okay. I, I just, she was. I thought she was kind of off-putting that, that character. Yeah, she was. You know, I mean, they're trying. They gave to make her, her the worst dialogue. Show. I'll rebuttal you, Brian. I'll tell. I'll say they gave Holtzman the worst dialogue of all these characters. I thought. Yeah, all the one-liners were just it like wasn't. really cringy. Well, to me, it came. It I'll get specific like she, later, but <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I didn't find her as cringy as as you guys did. Perhaps I, it seems like, but it it was very off-putting because it seemed like it seemed like she was in a different movie. Like her character was doing stuff. Like it might have been funny but every time they cut to her she was so offbeat and so different from what was happening that i think that's supposed if you i mean you can pull that off you can do that right if you you know if you do it right you can have that character be um you know kind of march to the beat of her own drummer and have her be a, a a break a comedic break or have it be you know just the oddball to throw things off of and and have that work but it it's really done poorly here. And I, I don't know if that's her fault or uh, the script or the direction or what, but whatever it is, it com it kind of, for me, it kind of combined to where whatever momentum it would, the movie would build, it would then throw over to Kate McKinnon for a one liner. And it was, it just, it felt, yeah, it came yeah, out of right flat. field. It yeah. always felt like it was the wrong tone or that. And so it it's always like a weird felt like she Ellen was, impression almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like she was it, doing her Ellen impression in this movie. It, it just, you know, we said, at least I've said, I don't want to keep throwing you guys in the bus. I've said, as we talked about the trailers and whatnot leading up to this, of, you know, basically, I think Kate McKinnon is fantastic on Saturday Night Live. She's the best part of the show right now. Um, but I've never seen her do anything beyond five minutes. And I, kind of worried that she is the type of person that is funny for five minutes because she does such weird characters and they're so out there and that's hilarious for for a sketch and and this to me it proved my my thought of like i think she's really funny for 10 minutes and then she can do something different for 10 minutes right after that and i think that's really funny i don't think that pretty much any character that she has done on snl or that now you know Grossbusters. I don't think that it's funny for for two hours. I it just it just yeah. didn't feel right to me. And I, like I said, I'm not as hard on it as as you guys are, I guess. But it didn't. It really always felt like um, we were. <laughs> it's like they were cutting in, like like Brad Pitt on uh, on Fight Club. It was like this one character over here just like spliced in or something, you know. Or just, like this doesn't really fit doesn't really make any sense and she's doing kind of something completely different in it yeah it was distracting from uh the entire narrative that already wasn't very good to me well going back to a point eric made and him saying that that got by everybody uh it only got by amy pascal really uh, mm. with how much she wanted to make this movie or she wanted ghostbusters to work uh, I wish I didn't hadn't read a lot of the WikiLeaks stuff regarding this, um, mm. but 
I mean, it really starts out with her talking about wanting to reboot Ghostbusters and her talking with Ivan Reitman and talking with uh, Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd. And uh, she would have meetings with them and they were working out scripts and scripts were being written and they weren't. And then they were getting, they didn't like him and then they did. And then they just kept, you know, having the idea of wanting to redo it. And so I think Amy Pascal might have met Paul Feig at like a, you know, some kind of luncheon or something in Hollywood. And he, I think he kind of said, hey, I kind of want to do Ghostbusters. I'll shoot you an email, right? And so he shoots her an email and it's literally the, uh, kind of the outline of the story. It's like three paragraphs. I'm like, Hey, Amy, it was good to meet you the other day. Here's kind of what I was going through. And he just gives his boom, boom, boom. Here's what mine would be. And like her reply is like, great, let's meet tomorrow. And then that was the, that was it. I mean, uh, it's kind of like as soon as somebody had a decent idea that she liked, it was going to get made. And maybe the fact that he's like, I'll write it and direct it kind of had more to do with it than why didn't they get, a Max Landis and then hire a director and then do go that route, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that Paul had D- Dan Aykroyd's approval and mm-hmm. the people who, uh, had made Ghostbusters what it is. Uh, he was in good, they were in good hands. I mean, he had made some of the best comedies of all time, really. Uh, go, yeah. bridesmaids is legendary. I mean, it already is legendary. So, um, he had the, uh, he had that going for him rather than uh, maybe an up-and-comer or something like that, getting the reins to Ghostbusters. So all those signs are pointing to the right thing, but I think it has a little to do with them just being a little anxious and just wanting to get this out there, maybe not thinking it through the better. And I think maybe the doing the women thing is kind of bitten them because they they, they took such a risk that way. Maybe that that has a little to do with it too because it it all happened so fast. It's like... Before we even hear they're reading Boone Ghostbusters, they're doing it in a completely different way. You know what I mean? It was just, it all happened. Maybe that's why the reaction was just so violent at the beginning, because people mm-hmm. were just like, what and what? You know? Yeah. And uh, and that was maybe, maybe had something to do with it. But yeah, we should say the, the only defense of that is that it is really hard, it is really hard to get movies like this put together to, like, there's a call for, women-led films and uh and for them to not need you know a man to save them and every you know that kind of thing like i get i think that that is the i think that amy pascal and and anyone else like it's the best of intentions it's just the wrong movie to put all this on you know like they, they it's like it's like they doubled down on on a bad horse, essentially. You know what I mean? Like you're, it just, I wish, gosh, I wish this movie was good. It's frustrating me more now, the more we're talking about it. Just like, it's not, this should have been better. And I think, I, hate, I think this could have been better with this cast. Like I'm I going that far. I, 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 no, I, I just I like this, agree. this set of circumstances didn't work, you know? Yes. And I, that's I 100% unfortunate. Agree. I think it got rushed because you're trying so hard to find, female fronted films that will reach out to a female audience and and we got this you know and it that's that sucks because it's not <laughs> it's not what you want it's not it's not the thing you want leading the charge of see we can do this you know we can get this right and uh, this is not the one to 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 bet on i guess yeah it starts out just pretty Gosh. bad for me i mean it starts out in like this haunted mansion and zach woods is doing this kind of you know, Gabe thing from the office or whatever he does in Silicon Valley. He's doing his tour guide bit. And then 
the ghost thing happens. So, so I'm thinking, oh, kind of a fun homage to the original Ghostbusters. You know, start out in a library, the original one or whatever. And uh, that's how we meet the Ghostbusters. But, I mean, it really does rip the Ghostbusters. And I think the point was made earlier, I'm not sure by who, about uh, how you reboot this, if you do. Do you do the origin yeah. story? Does Ghostbusters exist in this universe? Are we discovering ghosts for the first time? But we talked about it in, when we talked about the trailers and the fact that this movie has chosen the we're going to reboot it and act like it doesn't exist Yes. And act like it also exists in this universe. And I yes. couldn't Gosh. stand that. I freaking, yep. it's so frustrating about this movie. And, and this is one of the lazier parts of the script because they, tr- they try to have it both ways. Yes. When yep. everybody's discovering ghosts for the first time and like it, they're, they're making it seem like the world has never heard of ghosts before. Mm-hmm. It's not just these women who are skeptical or whatever. And, uh, they're convincing their friends that ghosts are real, you know? Um, the the cameo with Murray at the beginning where he's the ghost skeptic or whatever I'm like they show that and they and it's like Doctor Merrill somebody I don't know Merrill Hess I think that's that's from Signs no Merrill somebody and he uh and so I'm like that's kind of a fun maybe if that's Doctor Vankman if that's like all yeah, we see yeah. that could be a fun moment in this and like if you're gonna use Murray it's kind of done in a way where you kind of don't recognize them and you have to kind of go back maybe Easter egg kind of a way. But then they try to work that into the story, but he's actually supposed to be a character and not be Peter Venkman, you know, mm-hmm. like he actually is playing another character. But then we see stance or Aykroyd later in the movie oh, as stance saying, Oh, don't worry about it. It's a class five apparition or whatever, yeah. you know? And I'm like, what is, so are we in this universe? Are we? It was so frustrating. I could not believe that they yeah. did that. It's like if you had just left it alone at, oh, here's a fun Bill Murray moment, and that's it. And you know that's all we kind of get from the mm-hmm. the last one. And it's this kind of you know you've only your parents will get it kind of a thing. To I hate forcing these in here the trailers too. That just freaked of desperation. Oh, did they? I didn't even. I didn't yeah, the last saw that three trailer, days the trailers had Bill Murray in the trailer. Uh, <laughs> that's bad. And they also when, do it at the beginning. When, when Ray stands, excuse me, I'm sorry. I just had to say real quick. When Ray, because that's how I know him, is is Ray. When he looks at her and he goes, don't worry, I'm not afraid of no ghost. I literally wanted to throw yeah, my soda was, at the movie theater. I swear to God, yeah. I was like, is this is this just a five-minute Saturday Night Live piece that we've decided to make <laughs> in two hours? And yeah. we've just decided, oh, my God, here comes Peter Bankman. Here comes Ray Stans. Hey, it almost you know. seems like a parody of what Ghostbusters 3 would be. Yeah. Like, if yeah, you're like, you're like here's, yeah. hey, Dan Aykroyd, here's worst case scenario. You're going to come in at the very end and say, don't worry about me. I've been, you know, like, you're going to come in as a taxi driver. Thing. He'd be like, that's that's terrible. We need to pass the torch in some way or, do, or not have me in it at all, you know, not have this weird kind of crossing the line and that was extremely confusing and they do it at the beginning too at the very beginning when they're introducing Kristen Wiig and they have the statue of Spangler in there that's that was my first hint they have his like bust in there yeah in stone I'm like okay so we are he's obviously like the school is named after him or whatever and uh man the beginning the introduction to the characters this is where I was just totally out it they're so bad they're so poor they're so cliche um, <laughs> there's some bad exposition with wig. Like somebody comes into her office and says, 
you're, <laughs> you're the best-selling author, Aaron Gilbert, aren't you? You know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. uh, who greets you? Why are we getting her? Because yeah. she's the best. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, somebody, she, she, she says at another part, I think when she's meeting, uh, Melissa McCarthy, she says, oh my gosh, my colleagues at Columbia university are going to go crazy if they find yeah. out or something like this. What are you, what kind of exposition are they throwing around here? Um, with, I, I mean, we get that she's smart. Okay. The fact that she's at Columbia, <laughs> you know, they're, they're trying so many times to convince you of these character traits we get that she's smart. Okay, for example, okay, they bring Chris Hemsworth in here. Okay, you know, uh, yes. kind of the kind of the opposite of the unattractive secretary from the original, the the quirky unattractive secretary from the original Ghostbusters, right? The old lady. So let's let's flip that on its head. Okay, fun in principle, right? So what if we introduce him and then have Kristen Wiig be very flustered by his hotness? Oh, that's fun. <laughs> could be a fun moment. Yeah, could be a fun moment. Okay, but then after. She's flustered by his hotness. She brings her. She brings him to the whole group, and then they're all flustered by his hotness <laughs> for five minutes. That's wow. I. I could not believe that they just kept doing that over and, and like and over and over and over again. I couldn't believe that they stooped that. Yeah. And this isn't the first like fifteen minutes, right? Uh, of the it movie. just keeps going. Yeah, it just keeps going. Um, Melissa McCarthy kind of had like a Rick Moranis. Honey, I Shrunk the Kid helmet thing there. I thought that maybe was a fun homage to Moranis. If mm. you're so there, I'm, I'm going to point out some things I liked, believe it or not, and that's one of them. There's yeah. some fun little Ghostbuster y type things in here that you could do. Uh, what I don't understand is uh, they're starting to <laughs> learn about ghost technology and EVPs or electronic voice phenomena, right? Mm. Which is a, you know, it's a real thing in the parallel world i guess or the ghost hunting world yeah but they uh they record ghosts farting and if that just isn't the most delightful bit of saturday morning (laughs) yeah that's i can't remember if that was before or after their your mama joke and i i was kind of tempted to leave at that point like i was i just i could not believe it says hey you think that was funny that was from the front and i go Seriously, uh, this is PG yeah. thirteen. That, that was brutal. I mean, uh, I mean PG thirteen. I think you have ki- not kids, but you have like there were there were tons year-olds. of kids in my showing. It was, and that's yeah. fine. I don't, I don't, but you know, just but how do you how do you explain as a parent? I'm not a yeah. parent yet. I'm like, how do I explain that joke? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fortunately, I don't think anybody caught it because we were all kind of falling asleep already. And what was the, <laughs> what was the deal with Holtzman randomly carrying around Pringles? I don't She's know. Never explained. She's carrying the Pringles. They're always labeled out. I understand there's a product placement there. And then she just says, I'm going to eat this salty Pringle or something random. Yeah, the salty goodness or whatever. You know, uh, so the deal is. What are they? Man, my, I think. Maybe All right, so you're holding problem. Pringles, okay? <laughs> and then you say, I'm going to eat this salty Pringle, okay? Yeah. Yeah. It's I think maybe be the biggest problem with the script in general is that. You know, look, like I said before, comedy is subjective. You can miss jokes. You can miss a lot of jokes, especially if they're wrapped up in a blockbustery type, uh, big budget popcorn movie. I mean, you can you can miss fifty percent of your jokes, maybe in that sort of setting, and and we will be um, distracted by the the scenery and the action sequences and 
the star power and all that kind of thing. It's fine. But there's just so many jokes. Like, it doesn't, it's not quite to, like, the pace on the joke level of, like, jokes per minute of, of a 30 Rock or something like that. But but it is, it's a high joke rate, and they routinely fell flat. I was in a full show. Like, every, pretty much every seat in my theater was sold out. And I would guess that audience laugh level was at maybe 30%. 30% of the time, oh, the joke silent, was made. Mine. The silent. Yeah, and, and more often than not, it was complete silence. And it that is such a momentum killer, man. That's such a beatdown to sit through when it didn't have to be that way. You don't have to pace it in that direction with so many joke attempts. But if you do it, you have to make them funny. Like, they have to be funny if you go with that route. You have to hit... 70% of your of your jokes at least a chuckle or a smile or something and so many of them I couldn't tell if it was improv or scripted or a mix of both but whatever it was I would I mean it felt it really for a while it felt like every joke was falling flat and wasn't hitting and that that killed me man like it, it just it took away whatever all the other issues I have with the movie in general, and you know it's up and down, and and the pacing's bad. But if it if it would have made me, if it would have made me laugh, if it would have made my audience laugh a little bit more with some of these weird asides with Kate McKinnon, then I think I could have come out feeling okay about it. But instead, to me, it just added to <laughs> the pit of despair in my stomach of just like God, please just stop. Stop with the jokes. I can't. I can't take it. I just can't take it anymore. And and that started so early. And it all felt. Did you guys feel like it was off tone the whole like from from minute one? Yeah. Gabe from the office. Yeah, but like Gabe from the office, his first the first two lines of the movie were were a joke about um, elephants and slavery or something. Whatever he said. What this he said where, was this is where uh, Ring it. This is where uh, P.T. Barnum learned how to enslave elephants. Yeah, yeah, and I, and yeah there, you know that was yeah. kind of eh, yeah. There was another joke like that right before that. They were all funny, but they didn't make me laugh, and it, it was just because of the the way the jokes hit and the way that that scene popped that it felt from literally that is minute one that the entire. I don't know if that I don't know if that's pacing or tone or whatever, but it just the beat the beat was wrong from the first minute of the movie, it's and timing. I felt like it's that timing. carried over. Yeah, that carried on through the rest. And I've seen all of these people, even random aside characters like like that. What's his name? Zach Woods. Yeah, that guy is really funny at times on The Office in Silicon Valley. I know he can be funny. What he said was funny. The way it hit didn't work, and and that's. That's a combination of scripting and direction, and that I think that I think that lack of of uh, of average, you know, for to use a baseball term, the last lack of hitting average or slugging percentage, maybe on the jokes, just really, really crushed whatever this could have been. I think, you know, the exposition I was referring to earlier. Well, Kristen Wiig's character Aaron Gilbert gets slimed yeah. in the mansion. And gets goes to introduce herself to the ghost and says, I'm Dr. Aaron Gilbert. I'm professor of physics from Columbia. We know your character is smart in the professor of physics. Like, that was just another way for them to tell right. us that they're... I was like, just stop it. Just yeah. move on, you know? Like, they just couldn't move past... We know who these people are. 
and tell the story, you know? And uh, that was frustrating. And that that was the movie. How many more times in this movie could they call back to the Ghostbusters theme song, guys? I know. Um, I know. First of all, we have the Ghost Jumpers, which are making fun of like, Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventures, one of those shows. And the theme song was reminiscent of the Ghostbusters theme. Okay, cool. Yeah, fine. Great. Fun mm-hmm. little homage. And then later, I think we get Holtzman saying, who are you going to call as yeah. a one-liner? Okay, great. And then we also get the Fallout Boy, Missy Elliott remix oh, of the Ghostbusters God. theme. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Wouldn't, Oof. It, wouldn't it have been a way better moment, a more impactful moment, if in the third act when they're, I guess, officially be, are the Ghostbusters and they're taking on their final mission that hero shot with the Ecto ones coming down New York City. The original Ghostbusters theme would that have been great? Yes. To hear? Yes. That That's... would have been better. I'm serious. Like I understand yeah, you wanting no to remix it for a new generation. And hey, I'm as big a Fallout Boy fan as anyone. So, I was so not, not at all. Okay. Gotcha. Sure. Not anymore. <laughs> which means I stopped being a fan in 2011. Right. So it's uh, it was very jarring and um, it. It made me miss the old song. Yeah. And so that's that's unfortunate. But like I yeah. said, they just kept going back to the well on that joke. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, maybe people won't remember the old yeah. theme song, so we no, need to I, remind them about it, that again. You know? Yeah, and it, and it plays further into what you said right off the bat, Kent, of like you cannot have it both ways. You cannot say 1984 and 1989 Ghostbusters do not exist. This is a total, not a reboot. It is a remake. This is a complete remake. We are scrapping the old movies and then continue to call back to the old movies and and not do it in a clever way, you know, and not have it be um, some sort of uh, organic discovery of their yes. slogan or whatever. Instead, it's a wink, haha, who are you going to call? Wink. I, I just, you can't, you can't have it both ways. And I'm, we said that when that trailer came out because they, the the first trailer puts up 30 years ago in New York and then they pretended like it didn't happen and we said you can't do that you cannot have it both ways you've got to define you got to pick a ch- you pick or choose one or the other I thought it was and just going to be the trailer honestly I did too I I 100% did too and then nope not at all the entire <laughs> movie is just even even down to uh to Leslie Jones <laughs> coming in 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 pretty much the same fashion that uh that Ray joined in the, in the, in the first film. I'm just like, guys, like this is, it's a, I know force awakens plays on the nostalgia of the, the, the original films, but it's because it plays in concert with those films, not against, it's not a complete it's force awakens is certainly not trying to pretend like star Wars didn't happen. And this, this is pretending like ghostbusters didn't happen, but then it keeps winking at it. And I, <laughs> yeah, I just it got to the point where I just, when I walked out, I, I told my wife like every single call after about twenty minutes, every single callback, you could see it coming ten minutes beforehand, you know, and 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 so it just becomes such a predictable order of like okay, this is definitely going to be. I hadn't seen the trailer with Bill Murray in it, so I wasn't sure that he was going to show up, and I figured if he would, it would be as an old Binkman. But so okay. You know, five when they started talking about the paranormal expert, the debunker, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be Bill Murray," and it's Bill Murray. And when that cab rolls up and you can't see who's driving, I thought, "Gosh, this is going to be Ackroyd, isn't it?" Yeah, it's Ackroyd. And 
you knew Annie Potts was going to show up. So, oh, there she, you know, it's just that the beats are already off because this whole freaking script is a disaster. And, and then you, the, the chronology of how they go through all this, it just, <laughs> gosh, man, I yeah. couldn't, I just couldn't get over it. it. It just really, I don't know. Every every three minutes, as I started to like, okay, let's put that behind us. Let's move forward. Then they would bring up something else that just made me say, "Oh, cringe! What are we doing?" I just, uh, yep, I'm appalled by this script. I really am. I can't believe that this is what they eventually went with. Well, something that I did agree with, and I thought was a fun moment again. Mm-hmm. In a Ghostbusters reboot, I liked them going to the old headquarters and then being like twenty one thousand a month, no thanks, and then peacing out. <laughs> I thought that was funny, sure, um, because there's no way they really could have afforded that. Mm-hmm. Realistically, in the so that's mm-hmm. kind of playing homage to the old one without directly calling back to it. Because yeah. if unless you recognize the building and all that, you won't really get yeah. it. But it's still nonetheless a funny scene, right? That's so, a playful wink you could get away right, with if exactly. you're not stacking it with all these other things. Yeah, exactly. I, agree. Yeah. I agree. And then walking in and uh, Melissa McCarthy, they're all happy. You know, uh, Melissa McCarthy, who's kind of playing, I guess, Ray, the Ray part of Ray, I guess. I don't know. Um, you know, they're all good. They're all giddy. Her and Kate McKinnon, they're all giddy. Hey, this place is great. You know, and then, you know, you got Bankman standing there. Or uh, what's her face? Uh, sorry. <laughs> Kristen Wiig and she's like yeah how much is it? how much is it and you know and, and Miss McCarthy looks at her and goes hey look stripper pole and I'm like you know yeah you know at least at least when Ray you know slid down and he was acting like a kid she's just acting like a teenager and that's <laughs> that's the thing I go back to what this Ghostbusters felt like it was written by adults with like a kid mentality I guess you could say this feels like this was written by teenagers with a teenager mentality. With this, the jokes. yeah, this this feels like a a Adam Sandler typical. Yes. It feels like Pixels. It feels like a, I, the same writer did Pixels, and and Ghostbusters felt like a dark comedy kind of in a way, yeah. and it, the, the I humor. Mean, I mean, the comedy in Ghostbusters. I told my wife, I said, "You gotta kind of pay attention and get it." You know, when yeah. when they're walking into the library, and he goes, "This is like the time you tried to drill the hole in your head. That'd have worked if you would have let me." You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. funny. Right. It's, you got to be quick to catch it. It's kind of dark. It's kind, you know, it's not, you know, it's not slapstick. But this is just like that. The stripper pole. The the joke with the ghost. It's farting. so in I your mean, face. It's, yeah, it's very it's so obvious. in your face. And it's, I don't even, is there something below the lowest common denominator? Cause I think that's what they were trying to play to. I think it's like when you can't think of a joke, Hey, maybe they could fart or something. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah. know. Maybe they're like, Hey, some parents are going to take their kids to this. this. Yeah, it, so. it does. I do. I do <laughs> put a lot of farts in the edit to enhance right. the comedy of the show. Dwight Howard show. Yeah. This thing took the easy way out. <laughs> <laughs> this script took the easy way out, not only in the comedy, but in the plotting, too. I mean, I feel like every scene in this movie yeah. was just trying to explain something from Ghostbusters. It's like, okay, we need to see, get their, how do they get together? Okay, they show how they get together as friends. Okay, now we need to get their headquarters. Okay, now we need to get their car. Okay, now we need to get their logo. Okay, now we need to do 10 minutes about how they come up with their logo. Car on top of it, you know. And then, and yeah. then now we need to find out how they got their jumpsuits. And now we need to have a scene where they build their proton packs. And then, you know what I mean? It's like, geez, get on with it. The, the part, not to interrupt, but the part where he makes the logo, the guy's painting it, that was kind of funny to a point. But then when they show the logo and Kate McKinnon goes, ah, that's a good logo. Oh, God. Yeah. I just, I yeah. Swear, As if we I wouldn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 yeah, that's 
that's kind of insulting the audience in a way. Yes, honestly. absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's a, and if you are, and to go on Brian's point, if you are rebooting it, why use the same logo? I mean, not, you don't even have to have a, have a logo. Do you? That's the kind of a thing. To, that's the kind of a thing too, that you would think came in a reshoot too. Like a studio would say, you need an insert there where she says, Mm-hmm. That's where he got the logo because they might not make the connection that that's where they got the logo. <laughs> and then Paul Feig's like, "Are you kidding me?" And they're like, "No, we really think you need to have that moment." And and then it's just like, ugh, at the end of the day, you know. And I hopefully that's the case because surely that wasn't the way it was meant to be by anybody. And I I felt that way too. I I hated that. Um, maybe the only thing I liked about the rebooting of that was the jumpsuits because they never explain why they have the jumpsuits in the original movie. They just kind of have we- are wearing them one day. So they mm-hmm. do say in this, Hey, we need to wear these so we won't get oozed again or whatever they say. So there's a very simple line to say, Hey, here's why we wear the jumpsuits. And, uh, I understood that and appreciated that. So those are one of the things that work for me, but another one liner from Kate McKinnon that I almost, almost had to turn my head away from the screen uh, at this point. Uh, she said, booyah, emphasis on the boo. It was an actual line uttered Gosh, by... man. Hmm. Emphasis on the boo. I just want to see the high five in the writer's room when that one came around the... Yeah. Around the... <laughs> just... That's like Hotel Transylvania trailer, or that's what's on the poster of Hotel Transylvania... Booyah. Emphasis on the boo. (laughs) (laughs) Coming soon. Are we sure Sandler didn't write this? (laughs) I mean, mean, it's like you said. I mean, Sandler, you know, he he now, I mean, he did then, but I mean, he really does now play to the lowest common denominator of comedy. And this is, I mean, and when they, and when they shoot, the ghost, I we're really jumping around. I'm, I'm sorry to jump around on like this, but when they shoot the ghost in the crotch and Leslie and Leslie Jones says, did, did you mean to do that? And yeah. Alex McCarthy. Heck yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. You know, I think there's a moment where Kate McKinnon actually uses the proton blaster like in her crotch and like shoots. Maybe it's a fire extinguisher or something in the beginning or something. Mm-hmm. But I just kept thinking to myself, with a lot of this humor, like, would the original Ghostbusters have done this? Would this have been, would this have fit in Ghostbusters, the movie, this moment? No, most of them are absolutely not. And what I can say about a movie like Brian, like you said earlier, The Force Awakens, a lot of moments in that, like, could Kylo Ren have been in A New Hope? Sure, I could see that. You know, there are a lot of moments that, that they, it felt like the universe. It felt like a, a worthy continuation of that, at least the same, in the same breath as that this feels like a student film parody homage kind of experiment like funny or die sketch kind of thing you know mm-hmm. like that's what yeah. this feels like uh yeah it does not feel like the next these are the next goes this is ghostbusters now that's yeah. what they're basically you know uh, what i mean i totally agree yeah uh, and that's weird but uh i i'm a little upset about that uh there's a dumpster scene don't want to get into that there's a possessed Melissa McCarthy scene, self-explanatory. Uh, that's in the that's in the trailers as well. Mm. Uh, let the cat out of the bag. I thought that was a funny moment, maybe a funny back and forth that could have been better, but it was yeah. a highlight. I want that was the one once where the cat's I... in the bag, it can't be yeah. back in the bag. I thought that was kind of a funny improv little moment, maybe 
Hopefully yeah. not. A few times I laughed. Right. Yeah. Maybe the only time I did. I, I wanted to laugh at that, but I was just, I was very, I was distracted by like, why is this scene even happening? Why is Andy Garcia here? I don't, I just don't really, I didn't get it. I, you know what? I, I probably, I laughed more in the first 15, 20 minutes than I did in the rest of the movie. So I was like, I, I felt like coming in, like, this is pretty bad, the, the setup and the scripting and all that, but I am getting some laughs. And so, okay, it'll, it'll go. I just, I can't remember any of them specifically anymore, which is, that's great. But, uh, that's what you want. You want a comedy to not stick with you five hours later. But um, I just I kind of lost it as it went. There was a few one liners here and there that were funny. I thought some of the stuff with Hemsworth was funny as a whole. I thought most of that dragged on far too long. But um, but it got it got some cheap laughs out of me here and there. And um, man, I'm trying to think of other positives. I uh, what do we think about Kristen Wiig in this? We haven't talked about her maybe at all. Boring. Uh, yeah, I feel bad for her now. I really want her to do well. She's had a rough patch, it seems, as of late. And uh, I want her to do something. And they kind of gave her kind of the lead character in this. Mm-hmm. And uh, her material wasn't that good. She did elevate it to uh, the Kristen Wiig level. But I'm glad to see Melissa McCarthy didn't take the slapsticky role. It is a good step in the right direction for her mm-hmm. comedic career. I think this is the more kind of stuff I want to see her do is uh, what she did here. Yeah. No, I think Wick? so. I thought it was really boring. And, and I thought, I thought she had the, of the, of the four, I thought she had the fewest grown cringe moments, but I also thought that she didn't really ever make me laugh. And so yeah. it was very level. Well, none of it did. So vanilla. Well, yes, I, I probably I think I probably laughed more than you guys did at some of the some of the one liners or some of the the beginning stages of the bits that they were doing. Kristen Wiig, who I really like of, of the four women in the cast, she's my favorite overall in general. Um, but she just didn't really they didn't give her much to do and she didn't do much. So that's great. great. I don't know. So Slimer shows up here. What do we think about Slimer? And I think we learned from Ghostbusters 2 that Slimer should never drive cars anymore. No one knew needed that to return. This is driving around Slimer, but uh, I guess kind of maybe they didn't overuse it. I'm glad to see that. I could have totally seen them in this movie making him like the central character or like the sidekick to them at the beginning or mm-hmm. something. Like they discover him in the beginning and he tags along with them the rest of the movie or something. I could have, that would have been bad. That would have been like Flubber 2 or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, Slimer in here, what do we think of that? Uh, it's just better technology now, I guess. Yeah. Um, the the point where you said where she, he starts driving, I almost half expected when he drove the car away for Melissa McCarthy to yell out, I hope you have your license. I mean, right. you know, I kind of expected, yeah. I was shocked they didn't. Yeah, they almost stooped to that level. I'm actually surprised they didn't as well. It... <laughs> The actual the lines are uttered. Uh, this is one. Um, come out, come out, wherever you are. That line is uttered in this movie. I love that one. Great. <laughs> Say hello to how my you, little how, friend. Yeah. How come do you on. how do you let that like come across the typewriter as you're doing it? How about what should we say? Come out, come out, wherever you are. That's a. And we did it. I like that one. And I think I'm getting the hang of it. Is another one I wrote down. That's yeah. a, that's another cliche line that it was used. But I mean, in all honesty, they did kind of have to throw this together. 
you know, like I said, Sony wanted to get this thing out and, uh, and maybe that's what ended up happening was short, uh, shortcuts were taken in this screen play process and they weren't able to do as many drafts as they wanted, but, or maybe just everybody that read this thought it was hilarious the first time around, which is even more concerning. Mm-hmm. So we moved on to the third act and we're getting into spoilery stuff here. I guess this is maybe the most spoilery stuff we could talk about, but the big monster at the end is not the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. No, it's not. But before that, we get a scene of them kind of a preemptive third act, kind of a pre third act battle scene with Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade balloons. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand that at it all. Made no sense. Were they balloons? <laughs> were they ghosts? I mean, I mean, are yeah. they ghosts? But then, right. Kristen Wiig walks up and pops one of them with a knife. One I of them was the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, so maybe that's like we need to get the Stay Puff guy in here somehow, and so that yeah. was their way to do that to make us think that that was the enemy, but it was, in fact, well, a bigger enemy. But can't you know. can't you keep to? I don't know. Can you at least keep to the <laughs> own rules that you've created and have her shoot the thing with a gun? Like, of course, we were gonna get this moment of her reuniting with the group and and all that, and that's fine. I don't care. But her popping it with the balloon, I. I know that it's, I know that it's really stupid to talk about logic when you're concerned with a giant popcorn blockbuster movie about ghosts that are terrorizing New York. But this whole thing is built on they're really the only ones that can fight off these uh, these evil ghosts because they have the equipment. And then she just gets it with the Swiss Army knife. Right. So, like that's such that's, that's su- it's not even lazy. That's yeah. bad. That is yeah. just bad script writing that is that is either one of two things either you are saying that the audience is too stupid to know that that's ridiculous or you're just so dead set on we've got to get this joke in that you'll find any way to do it and either way it doesn't matter it's bad that's that's script, and the you know, climax of the movie ends up being the joke that's the that's mm-hmm. the moment that she saves everybody it's like oh Swiss Army Knife oh. yeah <laughs> okay well, let's, and then guys, get ready for two more sequels. Like that's what we're supposed to end on. Like that's the note, yeah, yeah, of the the final battle. Uh, that's bad. Um, I don't understand how, or they're actually shooting again. It's the it's the Ghostbusters logo that they've blown up now, and mm-hmm. is the enemy. And uh, maybe a kind of a creative thing to do because you always see the Ghostbusters logo over at the time, and you're like, why? Is that's not Slimer? Like, what is that? You know, on the right, on the cover, right? So I guess maybe that's kind of a creative way to go about that. Yeah, I didn't hate that. Um, but what they do to it is shoot it in the crotch to bring it down, <laughs> and this is totally like Paul Feig and oh, women shooting the men, get him in the crotch, and yes. that's yeah. yeah, that was just like totally so in your face that it's almost offensive that they go that blatant yeah. about it about what they're trying to, the message that that they were trying to send with uh, that moment. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of, I disrespect that a little bit. Um, I kind of respect it and disrespect it a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, like, they're trying to make a political statement, and that's fine if you feel that way, but don't make the climax of the movie. I mean, just just leave it out of it, you know? Just let me have Ghostbusters, dadgummit. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how Melissa McCarthy has the strength. Oh, my love. <laughs> right. <I don't... laughs> Old man yells at cloud. 
I don't understand how uh, Melissa McCarthy has the strength of a thousand jaws of life to pull somebody out of a, a portal with a rope. You remember the they're being pulled through again another portal. We need we need more portals in these movies. By the way, portals to other dimensions. <laughs> Also, that rope was the longest uh, steel rope I've ever seen in my life. Longest well, rope. Too. That yeah. thing never stopped. Never stopped. Yeah. And, it's uh, as long as the runway in Fast and Furious 6. <laughs> that's all they, that's all Good point. Good point. 49 miles was that yeah. runway. So we come to the end, and uh, Ghostbusters ends with, I guess, us wanting more. <laughs> it left me wanting more. I don't know about you guys. Sure. But, so where do we fall as far as where this is going to go, because Sony is under the impression or illusion that this it did well and that they're extremely excited about things to come with this thing. I mean, it made $40 million. I think I predicted that it would lose to Secret Life of Pets just because Secret Life of Pets made over $100 million the weekend before, and usually you're not going to see that drastic of a drop-off, maybe 50%, but that would have been still... 70 million, you know, 60, 70 million. I think it made 140 or something crazy mm-hmm. the opening weekend. Anyway, so I thought it would do 60 or 70. And I think maybe the estimates said that, but it ended up underperforming and did under 50. Yeah. And did, uh, I think, a little over 40. So I, think, I don't yeah. think there's much legs behind this. And of course, this weekend 46. will be the big teller. If this does <sighs> yeah. anything, if this does 25 or 30 million. This weekend, maybe it could have some way. I mean, if it retains over fifty percent of that audience, if it has only a yeah. you know a thirty percent drop, uh, then maybe we'll see it. Yeah, it's, continue. And that's not, that's if it picks happen. up overseas, it, it hasn't done much overseas. Right. And this is a hundred and fifty million dollar movie. Yeah, and uh, that, it's a three hundred million dollar. I've read that they're going to need to make between three hundred and four hundred at the end of the day to break even on this. Because they have so, pushed it hard. Right, too. Right. I think that's the biggest problem is in this whole thing. We've talked about how it seemed rushed. It seemed like they were it seemed like they were gonna go ahead with this project as it is, no matter what. And at the end of the day, they're like, guys, the guys, I got is, I got I got Pringles and Papa John on the line right now. Yeah, I gotta, gosh. I gotta get gosh. these guys in a movie fast. Yeah, we gotta you know get the Ghostbusters made. New, New Yorkers love Papa John's. They um, do. <laughs> yes, but look, the deal is, they need this to be, they need this to be a franchise. I think that they'll go ahead with the second one, no matter what, because because they put a lot on the line to make this uh, viable as a franchise vehicle, even if it even if it's not. But the problem is, like, forty six million dollars is a really good opening weekend for a comedy but most comedies have a budget between 50 and 75 million dollars and this one is double that and so you've you kind of have hosed yourself sony has of they've put way too many eggs in this carton essentially or this basket and so they're they're up against it they can't cut ties with this franchise and just let it die because then they'll look bad and they'll look stupid you know, it, they'll get it from both sides. They'll get it from uh, the the feminist side saying that, you you know, you didn't give this the chance that it deserved. And they'll get it from the uh, the anti-feminist side saying, see, we told you, you know, so they're going to go ahead with the sequel, I would think. But if but they're going to lose so much money on this one and that may be just throwing 
good money, bad money after good, you know? And that's, man, what a, what a mess this is because of the money spent and because of how it really does seem like they fast-tracked it. From the get-go, it seemed that way. It definitely seems that way after getting the finished product. Um, if you, if you didn't, I guess nobody saw. It. I, I through the, they kind of allude to how the sequel's going to go at yeah. the very end. Yeah, uh, yep. it's, which was terrible too. Uh, and, you know, Leslie Jones sitting there going, "Who's Zool?" And I'm like, yeah. "Oh, you gotta be kidding me! Can we yeah. not? Do we have to rehash that too?" I, yeah. Yep. So we're going to go right back to the well of pretending like that movie didn't happen, except that we need you to come see this movie because you liked that other movie that happened previously. You know, like it doesn't. Oh, man. How do we feel I... about this being called Ghostbusters, too? Just straight up taking the name Ghostbusters, like as if they're just taking the original. You know what I mean? There's no there's no yeah. subtitle. There's no. I don't know, rebranding of any kind. It's just the Ghostbusters and the logo, the original logo from the That didn't bother me. Yeah, that didn't bother me in pre production and and announcement and all that sort of stuff. It kind of does bother me now because, again, it just plays into this whole thing of like you can't, you don't get to erase the original and then just keep drawing from it. So, and from now on, from now on, forever, and be like, man, what's one of your favorite movies? Oh, Ghostbusters. Oh, the one with Melissa McCarthy and uh, <laughs> yeah. Leslie Jones? No, the original. Thanks. You know, we just have yeah. to have that every so time, beat, that every preemptive, time. every <laughs> single Ghostbusters conversation yeah. for the rest of your life. Thanks. I, I know. It's, but, hey, it's hey, an odd thing. Let me just say, um, I understand that this had an audience and that people, you know, like this critically, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do often get criticized for going toward the what the critic might say here, but I don't feel like we did in this case. This didn't work at all for me. Yeah. It worked for a lot, a lot of high-end critics, and so good for them. You know, maybe that'll give it the legs to continue in the industry, but uh, maybe hopefully it turns into something good at that point. But, man, I wanted this to be good, like I did Batman v Superman, <laughs> and it wasn't, <laughs> unfortunately. And that's yeah. strike two for me on ones that I had a bad feeling about going into this mm-hmm. year. So I, I honestly had faith after the trailer, you know, the trailer, the first trailer, the backlash and all that. And people said the, the second joke. trailer was better. Second, second trailer, trailer was better. Was better. And, and I was like, kind okay, of felt like, okay, yeah. maybe they got it figured out. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought because it had good director and it had good people in it that at the end of the day, that's what I need in a movie is, is good performances and good direction. And, uh, the script, let, let everybody down here. I really do think that's the case. Yeah. So, that's all I have. Any other big yays or nays for 2016 Ghostbusters? None that I can hear. Okay. Um, I'm going to just, on the whole day, it sucks that this exists now because it could have been so much better. I agree. Yeah. Let's hit a grade, guys, though. Yeah, and I and I'm and just before we do grades, I I just want to say that I I could have cared less that it was women and and also Sony's and I've been I would tweet at Brian every time something would come out like this and bother him about this because I always found <laughs> it funny, uh, especially when Sony came out. Oh well, the reason people don't like it is because we're as a nation we're misogynist. Excuse, right. that's the reason. It's not yeah. because it's not funny. Yeah. I mean that's the exact thing I said to Brian at the time. It's not. Be, I could care less if it was for women. Make it yeah. good. And they didn't. And and, and 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 like Ryan said, all this does is gives fuel to those guys that did hate it because they mm-hmm. had women. And yeah. it just 
it just makes it makes the whole thing worse. And now it also gives them an excuse. Sony, when they make the second, well, you know, the first one was jarring because it had women in it. And, you know, right. as a nation, we weren't ready for that yet. I can see that coming right now. Honestly, I can see yeah. that. coming. I think that is part of the, the problem with this entire thing. God, I just I hate the rec- I don't want to trash. Gosh, I don't want to trash this. I did not want to trash the movie. The I think the initial backlash was so strong. I think the way to handle that is you're an idiot. This is these are funny women. We don't care what you say. We're you know, Twitter trolls are Twitter trolls. We're going to move on. And instead, it really kind of felt like it wasn't it wasn't just the studio, but the cast to a degree in weird situations that they were for that were forced upon them and Paul Feig definitely and um supporters of the film it it really started to come across as a guilt trip and that is never a good way I don't think to sell a movie of like if you don't see this and if you don't like it yeah. it's because you're a racist and a misogynist and I I don't feel like that helped it you know maybe it helped it I don't know. Maybe it helped it get a Rotten Tomato score, but it definitely didn't help. I think it helped. It did. I definitely think it helped it get that. Yeah, I agree. But I don't think it helped with audiences, and it definitely didn't help with with me because I, I kind of felt like from the get go, like I like I said at the gig, I I almost wish I could have found a way to avoid the episode tonight because I just didn't want to talk about it because of all the guilt trip that has been pressed upon us to review this in a positive light, and that is. I just think that that's a really crappy way to try to sell a movie. And I think that that's part of what I think that's part of what the box. I don't know this was going to be like a hundred million dollar hit to begin with, but I don't think it's unreasonable to think that this should have hit 50, 60 million dollars. So maybe it lost itself some money just by the tone of the rebuttal that was just felt unnecessary and very jump to conclusion-y, I guess. Yeah. Okay. And they, and they have a, even in the movie, real quick, even in the movie, it seemed like they kind of it almost felt like a reshoot where where Melissa McCarthy tells Kristen Wiig, look at the comments, look at the comments, and she goes, women yeah. can't be shooting no ghosts. I was like, seriously, they shot that after the, 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 the response. I mean, I'm yeah. not even a seasoned movie watcher, and I could tell that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's Stuff like that that over time won't work, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, absolutely. Jo- jokes that are so in the moment that mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. won't. I don't think at the end of the day will work. Yeah. Out. So let's hit a grade, guys. I'm done with this one. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, this is the last time we talk about it until the worst of the year list. Yes. So I'm going to give this the patented Kent Garrison F minus 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 <laughs> F with Man. four with four minuses. So go ahead, Brian. Um, man, I think I, I think I came in with the idea that I was going to grade this like C, C plus ish, and kind of go with the party line of like it's neither good enough to warrant the support or bad enough to warrant the backlash. Man, the more I talked about it, I, it's really it, – this is a really frustrating movie. I didn't think that I was going to be frustrated when I sat down. But as it was going, I just felt more and more like this is a movie that I could like. And this is a movie that I think can exist in the right way if it's done in the right way. And 
so that added to my my level of frustration that it that it wasn't done. I'm not gonna go as low as you can't, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say C minus, I guess, and that might drop as we get closer to the end of the year. C minus for me today. Wow, that's way higher than I expected. There were, jo- I mean, look, I right. laughed some. I think I laughed more than you guys did, and even that was way way less than I should have laughed, you know, or for the setups. What'd you laugh um, at? I don't know if we went over. This. Man, I can't. I could not remember the specific stuff, but there were a few lines. I thought Melissa McCarthy was mostly okay. Um, there, look, most of what I laughed at, I'm sure was was low hanging fruit type cheap laughs, but yeah. that's fine. Like cheap laughs are fine if you if you pull them off right. And so, I liked some of what Kate McKinnon was doing in portions i just couldn't take it as a whole when it was kind of unrelenting unrelentingly offbeat to me um and i i think there's a part of me that feels like i you know i i dig i i do kind of like the general concept i just hate 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 the execution and the way that it is structured so I don't know, man. C minus for now. I might drop that to a to a D later. It's not an F. It's not Batman v. You gave it a pass. Or, you gave it a pass. Independence two or no? If it I was, if I was rating this, was... this Rotten Tomatoes, it would be. I would give it a rotten score. But you know, a C minus is a C minus is like the tail end of of the top ten worst of the year. I think. Chip, I don't know why I was so much more offended by this than I was Independence Day two. I don't know why. I <laughs> yeah. don't. Hey, I, I was it's... like, I viscerally hate this movie. And I didn't viscerally hate anything about Independence Day too. I I just didn't like it. That was yeah. That was, I'm, I'm that was very jarring. Was, like I expected to hate it so much. Yeah. I but, hated hated Independence Day too. Yeah, like yeah. You were the so, you were you were Kent on that yeah. episode. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, bottom of the year for me is like you know BVS and and Independence Day two and. Now you see me too, and Gods of Z- Egypt, Zoolander two, Zoolander two. You know some <laughs> of this stuff. So like. As compared to those movies, this is fine, you know, as as compared to anything that I ever want to watch again, this is terrible. So I I would, I don't know, it just kind of, it's not a pass, it's a gross, I guess this is what it is. I don't know, man. I'm, I hate myself most times. <laughs> it's just, this just kills me. I don't know. This is... This is a movie I have not. That's the name of your memoir, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It is. So this is where I'm at. I don't know. C minus today. We'll see if that holds up down the road. Wow. Okay, Richard. I'm gonna straddle you two, uh, which is not the first or last time that'll happen. I'll say the. uh, I would say I'm gonna go just a straight D. Fair. Okay. Go ahead, uh, Eric. Uh, wow. Um, yeah, it was, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in between, uh, I'm in between the first and the last there. Uh, it, I, I personally, uh, Independence Day didn't bother me that much because Independence Day came on later in life and it was a good movie, but you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like this. It was kind of like if you took like they're wanting to take India. It's like if you took Indiana Jones and you made a whole new Indiana Jones with Shia LaBeouf as the head guy and didn't even, you know, introduce him or anything like that, in my opinion. Um, I have to give this, I have to give it an F. It's so bad. It's so unfunny. It's, it's just, it's, it's rushed. There's so, 
many cringeworthy. There's more cringeworthy moments than laughing moments. And yeah. it's, and I will not be shocked if it's on the top 10 at the end of your guys's movie. And then I, and I, it, which is one of my ones that I love to laugh at every year, the bottom 10, Yeah, which is not, it's not fair, but it, it, it I'll, I'll be surprised if all three of you guys don't have this in the bottom 10. It's Man, that bad. I did not want this. I wanted this to be a top 10. Honestly, so did, I wanted this yeah. to be this year's train wreck for me. It's just a surprising, fun, funny comedy and a highlight of my year, honestly. And uh, this was not it. And man, yeah. unfortunate. So and then when you read, and then when you read Max Landis's thing, it just makes you even right. more mad. And I and, and I and I said that before, but it just it just seems like it just whatever. Yeah, we've said it. Sure, it could have been done a million different ways, but yeah. uh, this was not the one. All right, let's move on, guys, and let's hit a weekly recommend then. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah, so uh, I read a book last week uh, by Dick Cavett. If you don't know who Dick Cavett was, he's a um, was a Tonight Show writer for a long time in the '60s and a talk show host in the '70s and '80s mostly, and, and is still around. And he wrote uh, it's not really a memoir; it's just kind of a collection of essays that he's published in the New York Times over the last five or six years um, on everything from kind of old Hollywood history to current events and stuff. It's a really pleasant read if you like kind of learning about like old tonight show and stuff. If you're a nerd like me, I, I recommend it highly. And, uh, he's a very, very exceptionally good writer. Um, and, uh, is a, a really bright, bright person. And, uh, really enjoyed it. I read it in like two days, which I haven't done in a long time. So it made for, for good, a good weekend. And, uh, I highly recommend, uh, it's called, uh, Oh gosh, what is it called? Give me a second here. You guys go ahead. The Dick Cavett show. The Dick Kemp Show is the show. Brief Encounters is the name of the book. <laughs> Brief Encounters, uh, Conversation, Magic Moments, and Exhorted Hijinks by Dick Cavett. Excellent. All right. I'm going to recommend a uh, television sh- show that is on uh, ABC called BattleBots. Yeah. It's about yes. season two. <laughs> Actually, season, I don't know what it is. But uh, BattleBots is back. Good, fun, stupid uh, kind of popcorny, kind of have it on in the background, kind of a show, and uh, you always love to see robots battling each other. So that's uh, that's always good. But BattleBots is fun. Check it out, and it's on ABC. Uh, they need to. Have you noticed what ABC is doing with all these game shows? I think Strahan is hosting yeah. five hundred hundred thousand dollar pyramid. It's um, dumb they put them all in one night, though. Yeah. They should do, like, in the summer, it should be every night at 9, we have a different game show. And they have Steve Harvey doing the fa- Celebrity yeah. Family Feud now, or Celebrity one. Yeah. And uh, so that's always pretty good. What gold. face should I make here? I think I'll go with number six. So how much more stuff can Strahan be on, honestly, though? It's, un- I mean, it's he's, unreal. He's had a, quite the career. But hot take, it, Cena, Cena could possibly be the new Regis. Which could be weird. You can't see me, yeah. but you can every morning at nine. That's the, that's the tweet. <laughs> that's the tweet he announces it with yeah. him just him sitting next to Kelly. That's yeah. it with a picture. As long as he can keep getting bit roles in comedies for the next twenty years, like as long as that doesn't keep him from doing that, I'm good with it. Because he's he, Brian's favorite cameo, like current cameo oh, yeah. act. Brian doesn't know anything about wrestling because he's cooler than us, but right. he he loves John Cena in every movie. He would like Interstellar would have been better with us. Yeah, yeah. If he if he played the role of Matt Damon, I'm in even more. 
I hope I hope his name is. Uh, I hope the show is called Live with Kelly and John Cena. Just his shoes, his first and last name, because that would be. It's not Kelly and John. It's Kelly and John Cena. You know, or uh, I I would have actually preferred Live with Kelly and Undertaker <laughs> every morning at nine a.m. I would have tuned into that. If you guys, meaning the listeners, if the listeners could see the number of Undertaker tweets (laughs) you send, I I mean, like text, excuse me. If we got a dollar for every text that involved the Undertaker organically, not like just trying to rack up the money, we could all quit our jobs and record 47 podcasts a day. Like these (laughs) guys are the uh, are the leaders in the clubhouse of Undertaker texts i was you have to say we were ahead of our time because now twitter's kind of caught up there's a lot of undertaker humor oh on yeah social media yeah. and kent and i were two years yeah. ahead on that as always we are streets ahead on <laughs> and we might have made the bit like last year when we were talking hashtag mad about politics about <laughs> trump getting or deciding to run for president and uh i think we were like what if he just comes out of the convention like the undertaker and just <laughs> i think we might have actually joked about something like that and so the fact that it happened is if you're not a wrestling fun. fan and I'm not a big wrestling fan, but, uh, it, but well, my I, texts beg to differ. Well, okay. if, <laughs> just entertain yourself and go on YouTube and watch undertaker entrances for like, it'll last you. Two it days. takes 12 minutes for his entrance. Just him to it's walk down the, the aisle. Ridiculous. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thing you've or just did. Google undertaker off the mat. <laughs> stories because that's my favorite because i do not care about wrestling at all but the stories about him are pretty fantastic yes the out like, of the ring yeah. yeah yeah he uh we're gonna get him on he's the undertaker yeah he's, he's been dead for 30 yeah, years. he's been dead how are we gonna book him <laughs> you don't have a booking agent when you don't have a booking agent when you're dead oh. so that's my recommend battle box i don't know how we got there but <laughs> go ahead brian my recommend is a book. It is called The Girl with All the Gifts by Mike Carey. I listen to it audiobook style, but you, I have heard you can also read it. I cannot read, so um, that's what I'm left with is this audio stuff. But uh, it's a sort of a post-apocalyptic sort of look at a, uh, a group that of – it's like you know the typical plague has taken down society and turned everybody into zombies, and there is a group of children – that are zombie kids that we are trying to scientifically study to figure out uh, why they are different from every other zombie. It is much more intelligent than I just made it sound. And it has a lot. I feel like it had a lot, like a very interesting take on just humanity in general and kind of a little bit of like, where are we headed and that sort of thing. It's being made into a movie right now. It's kind of, I think, going to be a small movie. It comes out later this year. It's very British, and it's got a very British cast. So I think it's going to be one of those that I may have to catch on on demand or something. But uh, the book, very, very good. Audiobook was was very well read as well, if you are into audiobooks. Uh, again, that is called The Girl with All the Gifts by Mike Carey. Check it out. Sounds good. Eric, do you have a recommend? Well, it's good to hear Mike Carey's writing now that he got released from his TV job as a <laughs> referee. Yeah, he um, has no idea that he published a book. He's very surprised yep. by this. Don't don't. Yeah, you know, he predicted he was going to write a movie and he wrote a book. You well, know, he so was he was one hundred percent accurate on almost all of his calls. So <laughs> exactly led to That's exactly right great yeah. things beyond the life beyond the <laughs> referee. 
which yeah, it's pretty like that amazing game. that he got all of them right, considering that considering that he never once was watching. This a football is a joke game right now for like six people listening to. I know, to it's it. super. Hey, you know the Mike, Mike Carey, the small uh, crowd. Yeah. The referee. Hey, Brian, you, that repli- you know, Mike Carey finally got let go. You knew who they're going to replace him with? Who, Richard? The un- the Undertaker. Yes. It was brought it all Boom. together. <laughs> Boom. Sorry. I, Roasted I'm sorry. him. I quit. He just, they sorry. just go to him and he it just, just sounds a gong. Thumbs up or yeah. thumbs down. That's it. The bell rings whenever the, they are going to go to a replay. This is so much better. Hold on. Already. We have to summon the Undertaker. It's uh, take 12 <laughs> minutes now. We're counting down. All right. I could just see it. Brian catches the ball. All right. Was this feet in downs? We look over to the side and, oh my God, that's, that's his music. <laughs> He's walking down the ramp. Okay. We're done. Uh, that's great. Mad about Undertakers. Hashtag. <laughs> You're all, I guarantee we will get tweets like, oh my God, I didn't know anything yeah. about Oh, yeah. This yeah. The there's a YouTube. bunch of nerds that listen to this show that are going to love this bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know sorry. what? As soon Go as ahead, guys, Eric. Give no, us your no, sorry. No, as soon as you guys started talking about, it, I started laughing because he was my favorite wrestler growing up as a kid. Everybody's the coolest. He's the coolest one. He's still the coolest. Yeah, he hasn't even retired yet. Go I ahead. know. And when he when uh, and I well when he came out at WrestleMania, I was like, God, this is still the coolest entrance in all time. <laughs> it, oh, is. it is always will There's be. Fire. There's live fire, and it's indoors. That's always cool. Yeah, it's it's that, and he just tell that to Creed. <laughs> sorry it's not always, um, co- not always cool yeah <laughs> it's good to be the king <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. eric go ahead with your recommend buddy i'm sorry i probably about blew out your guys' speakers with my laughing i apologize oh, uh well my weekly recommend will be um something on television you can get it on hbo go uh it's easily one of my favorite i guess you call it mini series and uh in this dark political climate that we're in john adams is easily one of my favorites of all time and i watched it again over the weekend and it just it's amazing the acting is phenomenal uh it's just terrific and it, it uh, it's inspired me and my wife we're actually going to go on a trip this winter we're actually going to go up to boston and go up to philadelphia and go check those places out because we've never have and uh we're really excited about it and um i, I couldn't recommend enough a hundred out of a hundred recommends john adams is easily one of the best mini series i've ever watched and i love it to death great it's and on hbo and it'll make you feel crap yeah it'll make you feel crappy about our choices this, this <laughs> good old paul. also if you get giamatti. the blu-ray you can smell paul giamatti through your tv yes so just check that out oh. added bonus smell vision it's great great feature for that one the 4k version sorry when there's when they're sweating in uh, philadelphia <laughs> july that i can't wait yeah <laughs> It's, yeah, Vince Vaughn comes in and <laughs> smells special, just great. Special appearance by Ashanti. Yeah, I was going to say the soundtrack by Ashanti is fantastic. Ashanti, Jeannie Garofalo's doing stand-up. It's it's a great time. All right. You know, I I, I, I really did buy Vince Vaughn as George Washington, though. I really did. He was a, a fast-talking, charming rogue. Yeah. Just like the real George Washington. Just eating sausage while at the <laughs> office. Okay. I mean, are, you, are you guys going to ratify? Are you not going to ratify? Do I know you're going to ratify this? Are we going to ratify this? I, I love it. This is the greatest bit we've ever done on a. T- Might be the, the longest end, episode we've ever I done. Know. By the Seriously. way, we're, seriously, we're on a roll tonight. But right. I want to say thank you to the sponsors for making this episode happen of the show, and I want to thank our guest Eric for being here and for yeah. sitting through this movie only oh, to join us. I, you have no idea. I could do this. 
like you guys 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, I could. So. <laughs> yeah, Richard will be sorry. out at that point. Yeah, and I'm sorry, Richard. You didn't get. To, you, I talked way more than you, Richard, and I I love your parts on the show equally as one of the other guys. And I'm sorry you didn't get to talk. Uh, oh, I, I talked more than you do, and uh, you guys' podcast when it comes up on the alert that I have a new one every every week on on my phone. It's easily the quickest thing I can do to download it and listen to it with my wife. We love Thanks. you guys so much, and it's so great. Thanks, man. Well, Richard got his own solo episode this year. So he's done for the year as far as airtime. He used up his whole quota for three sixty five. That right there, that could easily have been just a Saturday night live, live episode itself. That was fantastic. (laughs) Stop inflating his ego. We're in contract negotiations. Literally no more air in the blue. Could we do (laughs) hashtag Swiss army Richard? Maybe Uh, 45 minute review of Swiss army, man. If we get 25,000 tweets. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, listener. There you go. Challenge accepted. Swiss Army he will Rangers. do that and run on the field of a Rangers game at the same time. <laughs> All right. Well, where can we find you online, Brian? You can find me on the Twitter at Beagle 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com, and I will have a blog up later this week. So look for that. Richard, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Richard Barden, at richardbarden.com. You can find my writing in the Mad About Movies uh, newsletter, which will be coming out the first week of August, episode or issue number four. So uh, check that out. Go ahead and subscribe if you haven't already. It's a fun little ten minute week. Eric, have you subscribed to the newsletter? I think I have. Oh, that's a fail. Uh, that's a fail. That's a no. That's a hard no. Yeah, a hard no. Well, subscribe to it. You'll get even more content from us once a month. Uh, it's magazine style. It takes about ten minutes to read. It's awful fun. Kent, where can I find you online? Find me online on Twitter at Kent Garrison. And find our show on iTunes. If you like what you hear, leave us five stars. That helps a lot. And I want to thank again our guest, Eric, for joining us. Eric, we'll talk to you next time. And we'll see you next week when we're talking Star Trek. And I will see you there at the cinema. Bye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I've got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. <laughs>